0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. We're proud to announce that this week's college baseball podcast and this season's college baseball podcast are sponsored by Project Lomo, an innovative program designed to get young baseball fans around the country to channel their passion for the sport into creative ways to improve their community. We'll have more details later about Project Lomo when it's officially launched in early May. Aaron, I'm really excited about uh, our new podcast sponsor. I look forward to busting it all out. When uh, you know the, the conference season's uh, coming down the home stretch and regionals are uh, getting ready to be announced, uh, we'll really step up our, our podcast sponsorship at that time. But uh, you know we've we've passed the midway point now, Aaron, and the uh, the college season uh, there's a, there's a, a lot more meat on the bones, and we still can't tell everything. You know some teams have played the the tougher part of their conference schedule and uh, than others, but I, I think it's fair to say that here at the midway point, Aaron. We're starting to see some separation, uh, especially in this week's rankings. It feels like the top, I'd say, eight teams have been in our top ten for a decent amount of time, and they don't look like they're going anywhere.
1: Yeah, you're right, and and I, I feel like there's definitely, to me, there's a group of elite teams here at the top that uh, I think have. I think you're right. They've separated themselves from everybody else. I think North Carolina, Vanderbilt, LSU, Fullerton, um, those guys are clearly elite. You have to throw UVA in at this point because they've been so consistent, um, and then Oregon State. You know, I mean, and, and to me, that was a huge weekend for the Beavers to go down to UCLA and take two out of three. Uh, I still have some reservations about Florida State, um, but you know they keep on winning as they always do.
0: #Hashtag um, Respect. Yep, they, <laughs> they've so they, been very are, good.
1: They obviously deserve to be in this discussion, but I mean, if, if gun to my head, I still think there's a gap between them and those other teams above. Them um, and and Louisville actually is a team that I think is is just about you know Louisville and Indiana both I think are are, are really top tier teams also um, so I mean I you know I think it's it's a strong group now Arkansas is starting to play um, you know all over the last few weeks they're playing once again like the the preseason top ten team we thought they were. Uh, and, and, and now they're back in the top 10, uh, and then you've got Oklahoma and South Carolina. So, I mean, I, I, I still think, you know, I guess you've got a dozen teams here that are, that are pretty good, but, uh, those, those, those teams at the top, especially to me really stand out.
0: Starting to get, uh, some of those teams are starting to get to Denny Green territory. I agree with you, Aaron. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just work our way down our current top six. No changes in our rankings this week. North Carolina took, took a loss this week, uh, last Monday to Clemson, but, uh, came back from that, uh. Five-in-one week. And, uh, and this, this North Carolina team, I feel like we've talked about a decent amount about them. But they actually had a little adversity this week with Chaz Frank, their uh, senior leadoff man and center fielder, uh, uh, experiencing a hamstring issue. So he missed a couple games. Um, and it didn't really seem to, to, to bother them. They've cruised, even though uh, their third starter, Hobbs Johnson, he had an injury issue earlier in the year, and he still doesn't even have a decision uh, here through seven weeks. Hmm. Um, but it still feels like the separating factors for North Carolina have been that one-two punch, at the top of the rotation in Emmanuel and Moss, and this uh, middle of the lineup, uh, this 3-4-5 of Moran, Bolt, and Stubbs that's been incredibly productive, and then that, that bullpen depth, which now really seems like they've gotten a, a real boost from their freshman right-hander, Tyler Thornton. Trent Thornton, Trent Thornton, right. Trent Thornton, thank you. Tyler Thornton's a Duke basketball guard. I think I should not make <laughs> that mistake as a— uh, person in North Carolina
1: well you know the the thing that, that stands out to me about the Tar Heels uh, that I guess is a little bit of a surprise is just how offensive they've been you know yeah. and, and you you nailed it with with Moran Stubbs and, and and Bolt in the middle especially but I mean you know they're they're pretty good up and down the lineup um, you know obviously when you've got Frank at the top and you know Michael Russell's a good player Landon Lassiter's had a good year and yeah. you know they all they always get contributions from the, you know, Brian Holberton's had a good year uh, from the, the guys like him and Parks Jordan and, you know, those nice kind of complementary corner pieces that they've got. It's um, just, it's just a, a there are no easy outs in the lineup. They, they grind you up and down, and they've got thump in the middle. And uh, I think we thought they would be a pretty good offensive team, a better offensive team than they were last year, but they're they're much better even than we, we expected. I think.
0: I think that's a great way to put it. That they, that we thought they'd be good. But they've been better. I mean, Stubbs has 43 RBIs right now. He's yeah. he's hitting over 400. And uh, yesterday, Colin Moran swung the bat once, basically. I mean, he's he's got 31 walks this year. And uh, he also got dosed yesterday. And uh, the one time he swung the bat, he hit it about 375 feet down the right field line. I mean, it was a pretty majestic, uh, no-doubt home run. And you know, as usual, they have their depth of left-handed hitters off the bench. And uh, Mike Fox is not afraid to mix and match and to... Pinch hit and to go to that bench, um, so they have depth. And then the Trent Thornton, uh, you know, Aaron. I don't. Uh, you have to, uh, The reason I wanted to ask you about Thornton yesterday was my first time seeing him. He's given up three earned runs all year. He's now seven and zero with a .06 ERA. Plus, he got a save this weekend. It seems like he's kind of becoming their moment of truth guy on the weekends. Mm. Was was he a? Uh, I didn't remember that he was this big a part of their freshman class. It really feels like you know Bolt. And Dunbar and Lassiter were the the feature right. guys there, and now he's really become almost as vital as those other guys as a freshman arm.
1: You're right, and he was a little bit a little bit under the radar in that freshman class. Um, and you know, I remember when I saw Coach Forbes in Houston, um, he was talking this guy up, you know, saying he's he's going to be he's going to be a pretty key piece here. Um, and and it sounds like now they they want to keep him in the bullpen going forward rather than you know they. Have had him in that midweek role and he was very good in that role, but I think they just they think he's too valuable to have on weekends and so um, they they like the fact that he can influence multiple games in, in, on the weekends and be that moment of truth guy like you said and it, it, it is it's good stuff. I mean it's firm and it's funky, yeah. Um, and and he competes and uh, you know he might wind up being you know kind of what they thought uh, that Trevor Kelly would be or you know that that kind of that kind of role that, that that really versatile piece in the bullpen.
0: I think he might, and I think uh, you know the key there is that from this weekend, not so much that they beat Maryland, is that Thornton went back-to-back games. He saved the game Saturday. Then he pitched four-plus, innings four and a third on Sunday. And John Sheff, uh, the Maryland coach, uh, said that he had told, talked to his team about Thornton's toughness, uh, what stood out to him, that uh, he came in at a tight spot, got out of some tight spots, and then in the eighth inning, North Carolina had used his DH um, he moved Rutt, Landon Lasseter from DH to shortstop, so Thornton had to hit, and he lined a two out, a two strike single up the middle. I mean, he almost Charlie Brown, the pitcher for Maryland. So um, the toughness is what stands out for Thornton. I, I think that North Carolina is a team that does have a fair amount of toughness to go with its talent, and uh, fair in the good sense of that. I mean, they, they've I don't I think they're long on toughness. Uh, so yeah. pretty legit number one team. I feel like all of our teams at the top of these rankings, Aaron. Are pretty legit. I mean, none of these teams in our top five have lost a series all year. Vanderbilt goes on the road and uh, gets it done with pitching the first two games at Ole Miss, and then uh, with some grit and uh, some off- just enough offense and an extra win on Sunday. Uh, did you learn more about Vanderbilt this weekend, or more about Ole Miss in, in this series?
1: Um, you know, I would say more about Vanderbilt only because you know they they. Uh, they went on the road and swept that series in in a tough atmosphere. I mean, I I think Ole Miss right now is is still, is still looking for their identity and and so I'm still looking for their identity too. I feel like I don't know that much about Ole Miss. I feel like th- they're not they're not who we thought they were early in the season um, because their pitching hasn't been elite. You know, it's it's
0: that's
1: it. It's it's Bobby Wall still been Bobby Wall, but. Mike Myers hasn't been great on Saturdays, and you know they. We thought Chris Ellis was going to be this really good Sunday guy, and that hasn't happened. Now they put Sam Smith back on Sunday, and it still hasn't happened for him. Um, you know, and then and then they haven't been scoring runs. I mean, they, they're just right now they don't look very impressive, um, and, and we still have them kind of stick, stuck there at the back of the top twenty-five. But they've lost three straight weekends. And, and all of a sudden, they don't really feel like a top-25 team. We just don't have anyone else better to put in there. <laughs>
0: right, right. And uh, to me, it's, uh, the, other, the part about that, like you said, with Vanderbilt that's so impressive is, you know, Ole Miss, uh, there's a little desperation there. Because like you said, they already, they'd already lost back-to-back series. They played two tough games. And Vanderbilt wins a couple of games close late with, you know, 10,000 fans in the seats. And then Sunday, obviously, a smaller crowd. You know, Ole Miss rallies a tie in the ninth. Um, you know, off Brian Miller, who's been pretty fantastic all year, and Vanderbilt doesn't give up the ghost in that game either. They still come back to win it in extra innings. So the the, the toughness factor for Vanderbilt was pretty high this weekend. I, I feel like their toughness quotient uh, was high this weekend because I, I do feel like there had to be a little uh, desperation there uh, with Ole Miss. Uh, you know, but Vanderbilt seems, Aaron, like a team that's, you know, their pitching depth is just pretty impressive. I think the another thing that stands out to me from afar is that Tyler Beatty has made the leap. Um, I, I don't know that week in, week out, he pitches like a first-round pick necessarily, but he pitches like a really good SEC starter week in, week out, and that's what he didn't do last year as a freshman.
1: The weird thing about about him is is he's still walking a bunch right. of guys. Every week it's like five or six walks. Every week doesn't it doesn't it seem rugs. like it matters who
0: the umpire is.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's – so I, I still wonder if that's going to catch up with him at some point. Uh, but, but right now, I mean, he's, he doesn't give up any runs. He's not been give, given up very many hits. Um, you know, he's clearly clearly got the grit going. And we know his stuff has been very good. Um, so, you know, yes, he's he's definitely made that leap from where he was last year to where he is now. But but I also agree that he's not yet elite because he just still still has too many, too many guys on base. I th- think that's, that's still a little bit of a concern.
0: I'm with you. Th- sooner or later, the numbers catch up to you there. You just can't uh, walk that many guys, uh, c- as a consistent matter of, uh, uh, of pitching, but I guess you can get away with it when you only give up three extra base hits. It just feels like you never see him get hit hard. It's always the walks, uh, when he gets in any trouble, but, uh, right. elite pitching Aaron, that's, that's what you really see at LSU, uh, at number three for a program that's won uh, what is it? Six national championships, uh, Yes, five under, five under Skip Bourbon, and then one under uh, Palmoneri. It is pretty hard to set records when you're at a program that has won six national championships, and yet this LSU team has done that with a 30 and two start, best start in school history. Uh, That's pretty amazing. And 11 and one in the SEC for the first time, tied with Vanderbilt uh, at 11 and one atop the SEC. One two punch Eads and Nola again. Eads is the other guy here, and who's I know he wasn't a freshman last year, but it was really his first full, healthy year. A guy with a lot of promise who was good early. I mean, he was better than Beattie last year. But really a guy who's gone from good and talented and could could flash it to just week in and week out. That guy gives his team a great chance to win, and he's been pretty outstanding. And uh, put him together with Nolan, you have a great one-two punch.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the other key this weekend was they they got a good start on Sunday from Cody Glenn, who's been a little up and down um, in that Sunday role, but he went six strong innings, I believe, uh, only one run against Kentucky. And um, you know they, that's that's a pretty complete team when, when you get your your Sunday guy um, performing well, because that's the only issue I think for them. And, and they're sitting here at thirty and two. I mean, they're just you know <laughs> the way they're winning is is very impressive. They just Destroyed Kentucky. I mean they just they killed them in three games.
0: They destroyed and Kentucky. Them. Like you said. They just they just they, yeah. this was a team that had not Kentucky hadn't been dominant this year, but they've been very consistent, very good. They come at you with those three lefties as you detailed, that's just not an easy team to, to make look bad, and it just seems like LSU made them look bad.
1: They did, and, and I think it was a bad match. For Kentucky, because LSU is very right-handed in the lineup, uh, and they got really good right-handed hitters. You know, I mean Bregman and Rhymes, and you know all these guys are they're they're dangerous. Um, you know, Mason Katz, of course, is is, is a force of nature. I mean, uh, this 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 lineup, and then Jacoby Jones got it going this weekend too, which was which was a nice boost. Uh, we we kind of have been waiting for that, and uh, you know he had he had a good weekend. So LSU's offense is, is very complete. Um, you know, they're just I don't know what else to say that. Really good. I mean, you know, it's. I, I know the LSU fans are going to ride ride us because we don't have them number one. Um, you know, and I know they're 30 and two and they're 11 and one in the league, but we, there's three, four teams at the top here that all have a strong case for number one, and there's no way you can move North Carolina or Vanderbilt down.
0: I'll say this for LSU's case for number one, Aaron. Uh, this is by far the best series they've had this year. Yes. Um, Kentucky, sweeping Kentucky, Kentucky's the best t- team they've played this year, and the rest of their schedules. Not been that strong. Uh, you have a common opponent with Maryland. They swept Maryland at home. North Carolina swept Maryland at home. John Sheff, I uh, actually asked him after the game, you know, he, he said that North Carolina was the best team they've played since LSU. You know, he didn't, when I asked him to compare those two teams, he kind of demurred even off the record. He just said, you know, North Carolina's the best offensive team we've seen since LSU. Uh, then he got off on a Colin Moran tangent about how Colin Moran is exactly the way you drop a big league third baseman, and he was really complimentary of Moran's defense. Uh, which I will say Sunday, Colin Moran, uh, despite the fact that his feet look uh, don't look, <laughs> he doesn't look, he's not nimble. He doesn't look nimble anyway, but he gets it done. Um, but I would say that North Carolina's schedule's actually been a little bit, they're at least comparable, if not a little tiny bit stronger. Um, LSU's conference series, other than Kentucky and Mississippi State, were Auburn and Missouri, uh, two of the bottom feeders in the SEC, and they swept Washington. You know, U Dub has not been good this year. Brown, I, I'd say that's what works against LSU the most. And that argument is the schedule strength.
1: Yeah, I'm not I guess saying so. North I mean, Carolina's that...
0: is great. I'm just saying to jump over the preseason number one team that has exactly the same record you do, basically 29 and two, 30 and two. You got to have bring a little bit more to the table. That's all that, I'm
1: saying. That, that, I agree with that certainly. But I mean, I, if I'm looking at their schedule, I don't think there's there's much difference I mean North Carolina has right. also kind of had you know some of the softer teams in its league with Wake Forest and Boston College and right. um, you know Miami is not great you know they did they took 2 out3 against Clemson that's their best series win so far really um, that's, that's, I guess Miami it. but I mean Miami and Clemson those are, neither of those teams have been ranked all year long I mean at least at least LSU has beaten. You know, they went on the road and beat and Mississippi State and then they swept a the, you know top ten team in Kentucky. So yeah, North uh, Carolina's I, only,
0: only comparable series. It was the weekend they went to Houston and just beat Rice, dismantled A and M, beat Cal. I mean Cal's not been a great team this yeah. year and A and M and Rice, you know, Rice is ranked, but those are single game, but it was a it was a convincing weekend. But that's yeah. really the only thing that I'm I'm just saying I'm not saying North Carolina's schedule has been better because it hasn't, but LSU's hasn't been special. This was the first weekend really to me where LSU was completely, utterly, that this is their best weekend. Uh, it wasn't the first weekend of anything, but it was their best weekend and a very convincing weekend for the Tigers. And thirty and two is pretty phenomenal. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, taking nothing away from the from the Tigers. Uh, speaking of taking nothing away from, in terms of schedule, Aaron, number four Cal State Fullerton has been really ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, uh, they got a breather this weekend with UC Davis, and they kind of seemed like they played like it. They didn't. Uh, bust out a 25 nothing on anybody like they did last week on Pacific, but yeah, I mean the Titans just—I mean—they they haven't done anything poorly all year.
1: Yeah, they've been they've been really good, so consistent. I mean, you talk about those two freshmen, just keep on doing it. I mean, that's 58 innings now without a walk for Thomas Eshelman. I mean, it's that's just crazy. insane. It's insane. I mean, I was I, I was talking about it with, with John Savage in his office on 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 Sunday, and he. Just marveling. I mean, how is this possible? This guy goes fifty-eight innings. You don't have one. You know, three-two pitch. Maybe just a little outside. You know, you don't don't have one of those. And eight weeks. I mean, come on. It's it's insane. It's insane. Uh, It's really uh, crazy. uh, It. it, And and Garza has been so good as well. And, and Graham Weiss was good this weekend. He's been generally pretty good. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a solid rotation. They just keep on doing it week after week. Um, And they're hitting and they're older and they're just, you know, they're, they're the Titans. They're just being the Titans is what they're doing.
0: Aaron, what's, I mean, they haven't lost a series all year. Just looking at their schedule. I mean, the rest of the big West seems like it's kind of beating each other up. Their next two weekends should be challenging. Uh, UC Santa Barbara at home and then at Cal Poly. So they've got, you know, those two teams have just Santa Barbara and Cal Poly just played the last uh, two of the last three weekends. and They split those games. Those are competitive teams. It's always tough to focus when you go on the road to Hawaii. It d- doesn't feel like looking at the rest of the schedule. There are a lot of losses left on Fullerton's schedule.
1: No. And, the, and you know, the, they're just, the they're clearly the, the best team in the Big West by a, a, a wide margin, are, I think. Are they the I mean, best
0: team in the West, period?
1: I think it's them and the Beavers, um, and and I don't you know I don't know if it's clear which one of those teams is better. I I kind of like Oregon State's pitching depth. Um, yeah, I probably like Oregon State better, really, gun to my head. But I mean, it's it's close. You, c- you can make an argument either way.
0: Yeah, this, th- those are those are two great teams. And then we, we're we're going to talk a little bit about the Beavers in just a second since you saw them in person. But and then UVA kind of just doing what UVA does. I mean. You know, Wake Forest, like you said, bottom of the ACC team. It's a shame that we have to wait till the end of the regular season, Aaron, for North Carolina and Virginia to play each other. I mean, obviously there are other good teams in the ACC with Florida State, Georgia Tech, NC State are all ranked. Uh, Duke rising up this weekend and, and winning a series at home, giving up only two runs all weekend to Georgia Tech. I mean, I think that was one of the bigger stories in the country. But That
1: was stunning.
0: That was really – that. Is that the most surprising series result of the whole year, maybe non-UC uh, <laughs> Central Arkansas at, at Mississippi State? That, that might be the most yeah. surprising series result of the whole season.
1: Georgia Tech hadn't been shut out twice in one weekend since 1955. Are you and, and kidding? This, and this particular Georgia Tech team, I mean, come on. They were, they were scoring 10 runs a game for the first, like, six weeks of the year. I mean, all of a sudden they, they scored, you know, they get shut out twice and score two runs in three games. Uh, what's going on there? that's just bizarre.
0: And the crazy thing is, you know, it's not like teams haven't scored some runs. Against Duke, you know, Duke held Miami down, but then the next weekend they played Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech scored 20 plus runs in the weekend series. And they gave up some runs to Clemson and losing that series. But, uh, man, to shut out Georgia Tech like that uh, is unbelievable. Uh, and You know, now they're going to Florida State next weekend. Uh, Duke is, that's going to be interesting to see if they can translate some of that pitching success uh, on the road because Duke is – you know, right now they're right in the thick of the regional race, um, yeah. which is not yep. expected. What's their last regional? 1965. I think that's right. It's either 65 or 61. You wrote it so many times that one year recently, um, it, it, it got burned in my head. But uh, Virginia, again, I mean, just uh, they're just automatic. It just uh, it's, it's amazing to me uh, with that that coaching staff is that consistent. And they'll wrap up their series with Wake Forest tonight on ESPN. Um, And, Aaron, you saw the Beavers. Um, You saw the new logo. You saw the new contract. Well, you didn't see the contract, but newly extended Pat Casey. Uh, It just seemed like a couple of years ago where there was all this retirement talk with Pat Casey. and They've been a little bit Mm. inconsistent. This team just looks like a machine. We've talked about it all year. It doesn't seem like they have a real real weak point. Well, if they have a weak point... It's
1: you know I mean the, their defense is isn't isn't outstanding when Tyler Smith isn't the shortstop right <laughs> uh, but you know he's supposed to I think he's going to be fully cleared by next weekend they, they expect and um, and he came in for defense this weekend and, and as soon as he came in shortstop uh, it's like the. 11- clicked on and the entire team plays with so much more confidence. I mean, Andrew, Andy Peterson's a very good second baseman, um, but he's not a short stop at this level. And, um, you know, you put him at second and you put Smith at short and all of a sudden, it, you know, it's just, you can just tell they play with, they play with more confidence and, and they're, they're better. You know, you put Jake Rodriguez behind the plate. Um, you know, it's that, uh, To me, that's that's the the one key for them. And Tyler Smith's their best all-around player. I mean, Conforto's their best hitter, but Tyler Smith's their best player, Um, and they need him to be healthy. And right now, he's you know he was still kind of the couple times he came up to the plate this weekend, he he knew he was going to bunt because that's all he's (laughs) he's prepared to do. So, um, you know, but I mean, they're so deep on the mound, um, and and you know it's good to see Ben Wetzler – um pitch well and and i got my first look at andrew moore and he was very good on saturday you know four, true four pitch guy up to 92 and good slider and uh um you know competes for freshmen pitched well above his years um i like the bullpen too i mean that's the thing that you know scott schultz is, is a legit closer back there i mean it's uh eighty eight eight to ninety three with some real sink uh, power, you know, life to it. Um, and they got pieces from the, the the left side and the right side, I mean Engelbrecht, kind of the sidearm lefty, and then the submarine righty Jackson and um, you know, Dan Schild in there and Taylor Starr is up to ninety three and with a good slider and it's just like they got all these pieces. And then Jace Fry is close to coming coming back. Um,
0: so better find a spot for Jace Fry. Not gonna be easy. A lot of competition in the middle of that Oregon State uh, rotation. It's the Baseball America podcast with that's John and kind of fit. I'm sorry, Aaron. We lost you there for a second. What was that?
1: Uh, well, I don't know where, where I was that's exactly. That's okay.
0: We'll, we'll move on. I wanted to ask you. you know, the, the big thing to me about Oregon State was they, they lose on Friday, and uh, just the toughness to come back and win a series on the road when you've lost that Friday game. It's just, it feels like it's so much easier uh, when you win that Friday game. Um, but UCLA. The other part of this is that you know you mentioned Oregon State's pitching. UCLA, even in the game they won, they only had six hits. I, I thought the Bruins' yeah. offense. I, I guess I thought I expected a little bit more out of them this weekend, uh, even against Oregon State. What's kind of the state of the Bruins' uh, offense? Uh
1: there it, it's. I think it's just not a great offense. I mean, I, you know, they, they. Uh, I don't know. They they just. It's hard to lose all those guys they lost last year, not miss a beat. I mean that's why it's amazing. Mood, like Florida State has done. Right. Um, but because, you know, Florida State had comparable losses and, and they just keep on doing it. But this UCLA team isn't isn't very offensive. I mean, they're just not, you know, you got Pat Valleke your cleanup guy and he's a nice college hitter. But right. uh, if he's your best hitter, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, Kevin Kramer in the three hole, he's, he can swing the bat pretty well. But I mean, Eric Feli has been a disappointment. Um, hasn't gotten it going. We thought he'd have a really nice year coming off that big Northwoods League season. Hasn't happened for him. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. Shane Zeal hasn't really gotten it going either. I mean, these guys are talented, and they just haven't really taken off yet. I mean, Brian Carroll has been a nice spark for them. But um, uh, they're just, they're just, they don't scare you on offense. They just don't. They need to take better at bats. I mean, the quality of their bats this weekend. It was, was disappointing for, for John Savage. And, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think they're just, they're not going to be a great offensive team. I mean, they, yeah. they, it's not, they should be better than they are a little bit. But even when they're at key, peak capacity, they're not going to be anywhere near what they were last year offensively because they were just, they were old last year. I mean, and yep. now they're not. <laughs> they're yep. young in, in a bunch of spots.
0: It really is kind of that simple. I mean, uh, when you have the, the guy, that's why the guys like Bregman and Bolt have been so impressive because we become new used to this new reality where the, you know, most freshmen don't come in and rake from day one anymore. You know, yeah, Uh not as easy. And it just it's it's kind of amazing to look at the Pac-10 stats, and just uh, Pac-12 stats. I'm sorry, and you know, Oregon State by far the most complete team in this league. They're third in the league in runs. They lead the league in ERA by three quarters of a run. I mean, you know their ERA is 184 as a team. Uh, you know, It's the O-State Ballas, and it feels like the O-State Ballas and kind of everyone else in the Pac-12 this year. It's the Baseball America yeah. podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron, we had quite a bit of, of movements in the re- in the rest of the rankings. Don't want to get too much into the, all that nitty-gritty because uh, we're really kind of – basically, it feels like after that top seven, eight, nine teams, Aaron, we're kind of spinning our wheels with the rest of the rankings. The rest of the countries just kind of – I mean, there's, there's incredible churn at the back of the rankings, but it really feels it's after the top eight, nine – uh, it's, it's a, it's churned city after that.
1: Yeah. And you've had, you know, your your Indiana. It's been kind of a steady riser ever since it got into the rankings and had that, that 18 game winning streak. And, and, and I've been, you know, like I said, I think in the last couple of weeks, I think Indiana is a legit contender. I mean, they're, I think they're really good and, and, and a, a complete team. Uh, but you know, and, and now you've got Arkansas and South Carolina kind of, uh, um, you know, like, like I said before, they're kind of bouncing back up the rankings here. And, you know, those guys were preseason top 10 teams. And, and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of reasserting themselves. Uh, but, you know, after that, you're right. I mean, Kentucky just got swept uh, in emphatic fashion. Um, Rice has just been kind of, you know, plugging along here, winning, winning every weekend ever since the, the Minute made thing. Uh, but they're not sweeping people um you know on their league isn't great you know and i'd like to see them sweep some more of these teams um you know i mean they're they they don't blow me away um those arizona state has been up and down i mean they they've had huge problems (laughs) on sunday they're thin on the mound um i don't love their team i mean i actually like oregon's team probably the most out of this group but um they've played three series this year against really good teams and they lost all three of them that's it I mean, they haven't gotten swept, but they're not beating the really good teams that they play. And it's not enough just to play them. you got to beat them. Um, so, you know, eventually I, I think Oregon will, 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 you know, they're going to be higher than this. I think they're, to me, they're the second best team in the Pac-12 after Oregon State. Um, but uh, um, you're right. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of churn here. There's a bunch of teams that are kind of beating up on each other. And, you know, the, you look at the SEC. Now we... We've got Mississippi State and Ole Miss at the back of the rankings. They've both been, you know, up and then down and then I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, there's it's hard to find 25 worthy teams for the rankings, and that's how you wind up with a Campbell at number 25.
0: It has been a, a, a challenge to find consistent teams. Uh, I think that's the, maybe that's the best way to say it. I think it's always a challenge to be consistent when you have, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds. Uh, Let's talk about some of the teams that we rewarded, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. And uh, uh, a couple, there's some ACC teams crowded in here at the back. Aaron and NC State and Clemson are the teams that come in here this uh, this weekend. Uh, NC State, you know, uh, they have the series sweep at UVA when they got when they when they fell out of the rankings. That seemed like that's when they kind of bottomed out. Since then, they've won eight out of nine. They've got Trey Turner healthy. Probably not a more important player in the country than Trey Turner. Right. Um, you know, it, it, their, their pitching still hasn't – it's still not consistent, Aaron. It does feel like they're starting to – I guess they're, what they're basically doing is they have Carlos Rodon to start, and he's still not back to the last year's level, but he's, he's, he's getting closer to it. They have Ryan Wilkins, who they really trust, at the back of their bullpen. They started in the game, he threw five no-hit innings against East Carolina. In between, they're kind of going to ride the hot hand is, is really how it feels. Uh, for the Tennessee State team, what's your take on on those guys at this point?
1: Yeah, you you I mean you nailed it. I mean, I think you're right. Their their pitching is still not, uh, it's not consistent. But I mean, Brad Stone was good this weekend, and he, he's he's a the guy they like. I mean, he's you know a left hander knows how to pitch and got decent stuff. It's not gonna blow you away. It's not Carlos Radon right um but but you know he's 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 a solid guy and he, he pitched into the seventh inning this weekend um he's a, he's a key piece i mean but ethan augbert didn't get out of the third on saturday so i mean it's still <laughs> some of that going on sounds on familiar
0: but,
1: yeah it does but i mean you know they they i don't know i think when you get you put turner back in that lineup they're just a different team um and, and i think the star power with them with turner and radon is is just it's special and then that's what's going to carry them this year you know I, it's not that the supporting cast is bad. Um, I, I would have felt a lot better about this team if they still had Danny Canella. I mean, honestly, they missed that guy. He was, he was a, a middle-of-the-bat piece that just you know, one, extra, one extra, you know, older guy that can hit. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough, <laughs> tough loss for them right before the season.
0: You're exactly right. And I think we all thought, and I think NC State thought, that Brett Williams was going to be a little more of a factor than he has been because he's an older guy he's a fifth-year senior, that we thought that guy would come in and really uh, be a bigger part of their offense uh, than he has been. And I think we thought that you know they had older guys on the mound. They really do seem – another part that encourages me for NC State is Chris Overman, who was a, pretty good for them two years ago, then not so much last year. He seems to have gotten his mojo back a little bit uh, back at the back of that bullpen. Their depth in the bullpen and then the reemergence of Overman kind of allows them to – Deploy Wilkins a little bit more. It gives them a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, we'll kind of see how things go. But I do think they have some decent uh, options. Um, you know, on the mound, not. not but I'd, I'd still feel better if Logan Jernigan was the guy that we thought he could be this year, and and Ethan Ogburn was as consistent as he was last year. He just has those two things have not happened. Clemson, Aaron has been. Uh, again, they can, they kind of are who we thought they were, but uh, their toughness really seems like it really. Comes through a little bit more for Clemson. Now they won a series at NC State, and even though they lost series at North Carolina uh, and at home to Virginia, they haven't gotten swept in those games uh, in any of those series. It just seems like this is a typical Jack Leggett toughness team, where the talent is a little bit younger, but it seems like Clemson's starting to trend back upward. Not just this year, but the program starting to trend a little bit back upwards, where the uh, they've got some of that, where they're going to marry some of that Jack Leggett toughness to the talent level that we've become accustomed to seeing out of Clemson over the, in the past.
1: Right. And, and, and I think they're, like you said, this team is still young. Um, you know, their offense to me isn't, uh, it's not great, you know, at this point, I mean, some of their younger guys uh, like Tyler Krieger, um, you know, Steven Duggar. I mean, they, those, they've kind of had their ups and downs. They're still learning, but they're, they're very talented players. They're going to be good. Um, Garrett Baldwin, bowyer has been really good for them this year. He's really been their their best guy. Yeah. Um, but you know some of the veterans like McGibbon and Bob um, Wilkerson, those guys have been disappointing. You know, and even Thomas Brittle hasn't been great. I mean, it's just those those were kind of the key veteran pieces that, that we thought they were going to rely on, and um, they haven't had very good years. You know, but they're still winning. Um, you know, I do like their pitching. I don't love their pitching, but I like it. Um, you're right. They're just kind of a gritty bunch and uh you know honestly i don't love them as a top 25 team but again who's better i mean it's hard to find 25 teams more deserving um so here they are you know they're they're not they nine and six in the acc yep um put them in there why not
0: hey let's face <laughs> it we're, we're ranking we have two sec teams with losing records uh yeah. in the conference of mississippi state and all miss five and seven and four and eight in the league i mean Hey, we love the ranks of Southeastern Conference teams too, but uh, you know, win some games. Uh, kind of hard to, and again, kind of hard to rank. You know, a Texas A&M Pora Hempolo, uh that loses a series at home to Auburn this weekend. Um, yep. Kind of hard to rank Alabama when they lose at home to uh, Arkansas, their first real test. Um, Auburn, you know, three and nine in the league, <laughs> probably not going to rank. Uh, we ranked a four and eight team, probably should rank a three and nine as well. Um, and then Florida, I mean, under 500 for the whole year. I know you had them in the in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, uh, in the midseason update air, and I, I'm with you there. Uh, then you know they were at Mississippi State losing two out of three this week, and they still have at Missouri. They still have Missouri, Tennessee, and Auburn, and Georgia on the schedule. I think it's fair to say those are the four least talented teams in the SEC. Is that the way to put it? Yeah, um, definitely. I would say that about uh, Georgia, Tennessee, and not so much even the talent level but Missouri. Really young, but even all those teams, Missouri's got Zestrani, a tough left-hander on Friday night. And Aaron uh, obviously had a little phone call there, and uh, we have to wrap up the podcast before we uh, go to the Google Plus Hangout. Uh, but just to kind of wrap that part up, it's tough at the back of the pod, uh, back of the podcast, back of the rankings every week. Aaron, uh, there are new teams, and like you said, that's kind of how you wind up with Campbell at the back. I mean, you're just looking for teams that are winning games, and Campbell's resumes as uh, it's uh, you know a, as useful as anybody else is con- comparing them to like UC Arkansas or we're just looking for teams that are winning games and uh, not a lot of teams are winning games in a consistent matter this uh, right right now.
1: Right, and and you know I would feel better if Campbell had played better competition on the weekends. I feel like it's hard to evaluate them without having you know seen them play again. I mean top twenty five caliber competition, uh, but they have played some good midweek games. You know they beat East Carolina a couple of times. Um, they duke Duke a couple couple times. times. Yeah, they lost NC State, but um, you know, those are that's what they're hanging their hat on right now is their overall record. Um, and those midweek wins against, you know, ACC teams. I mean, um, or or rather one ACC team in East Carolina. But I mean, you know, this team is they are older. Again, I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of upperclassmen lineup. They can really run, disrupt disrupt you with the speed. Obviously, Ben McCown. Uh, it's kind of the the centerpiece there, from a speed standpoint, uh, what 35 steals and 37 tries or something. And uh, the pitching, you know, coming into the year, that was the question for Campbell. They lost, I think, two thirds of their weekend rotation, uh, but they pitched very well this weekend in a sweep of Presbyterian. Um, and and the pitching's been good for them. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I wish Campbell played Coastal Carolina this year. They don't. They miss them in the Big South schedule. Right. Um So, you know, it's uh, it's too bad. I I still feel like for some reason I can't shake that. Feeling that, that coastal is the team in that league until proven otherwise. Um, Can't imagine what
0: would give you that that uh, that, that thought. Yeah. Maybe the fact they've ruled that league for ten years. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, but it, it's anyway, so we got
1: Campbell. Give him give him a shot. The twenty eight and five. Let's see what they can do with this thing. Nobody else wants to stay in the top
0: twenty five. <laughs> That's it. So we went off the board a little bit. I felt like we went off the board earlier this year when we went with Central Arkansas, but they obviously had the uh, you know, the, the sweep at uh, not the sweep of the series win at Mississippi State, but. It's kind of hard to rank a team that's under 500 in its conference. Even though the Southland Conference is a good league and they're having a good year, they're under 500 in the league. It's just kind of hard to hard to shake that. But, Aaron, uh, we'll come back with more on the on the Google Plus Hangout, obviously. But uh, great stuff from you, as always. And, obviously, three strikes, the chat, every Monday. College Monday is a pretty hectic day for Aaron Fitt. You're lucky to get as much Aaron Fitt as you get, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you that. And, uh, <laughs> and Aaron and all of our season's college baseball podcasts are sponsored by Project Lomo an innovative program designed to get young baseball fans around the country to channel their passion for the sport in creative ways to improve their community. We'll have more details later about Project Lomo when it's officially launched in early May. We want to thank Project Lomo for coming aboard as our college podcast sponsor. For Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America College podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.